Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 88. It's now been 40 weeks, four days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today is a 100% bonus episode. And for the longtime listeners and the new listeners, a bonus episode is the closest thing to what I did when I began my show in that I walk out my door, I strap on the recorder, go down to my local park and just talk about whatever's on my mind. No planning, no writing, no pre-production, nothing. Outside of, I do have a specific topic that I want to speak to you about today. So with no further ado, I want you to know that I am walking and recording around my local park. So you might be hearing birds, other people walking, traffic, sounds of nature, things like that, because I'm just going to be walking and you'll hear my breathing and my footsteps, etc. And there's not even going to be any announcements today except for these two. And the first is starting this week and continuing through the end of this year, Mark and I are going to be taking several mini vacation breaks. We're going to be traveling around in Southern California and going to places where we like to ride bikes and just hang out. So that means that you might see some gaps in between the show releases and also between me commenting on your comments. I try really hard to answer you when you take the time to post a comment on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com or send me email or talk to me on Facebook. So please know that I will get back to you and it's not that I don't like you if you comment and it takes a day or two for me to reply. It means that Mark and I are out having fun and I hope that you guys are out having fun also. The second announcement is today's topic is going to be based all about me legalizing potato chips in my life. That's right. And so I'm going to be describing some pretty graphic feelings, thoughts, textures around food. So if your compulsions or your dealing with disordered eating is such that food description can really trigger you or make you uncomfortable, just let me wish you happy holidays right now and ask you to turn off the show. That's right, there's not gonna be anything else for you to hear except for my description about how I'm dealing with potato chips. And again, please, 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 if this is going to be troubling to you, listen to show 88 some other time when you're feeling more up to it, okay? Because this is what I'm doing for me to deal with my feelings and it's absolutely nothing that I recommend that you do. More on that in a bit. So Brave Companions, without any more rambling on, I'm going to listen to Josh's wonderful inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go, and I'm going to describe for you what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go. silent wind that never really blows I'm letting go Josh, 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 I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to listen to I'm letting go today because today is a little bit of a challenge and in a way it's not that bad but Brave Companions, what I'm going to let go of today has two faces. I'm going to let go of fear itself that's right, I'm tackling the big one, the whole enchilada, fear. And I'm tackling fear in two very specific areas. I'm letting go of fear of my body. 
I'm letting go of the fear of what my body looks like. I'm giving up the fear of what my body may do if I'm not holding on rigidly to control of everything that it does with exercise, sleep, or eating. And I'm also giving up the fear about what other people think of me, my actions, or my body. Absolutely. You know, last show, 87, was an absolute watershed for me. An absolute watershed. I was terrified, actually, to record that show. I felt that many of you brave companions would probably judge me, think me either full of myself, or think that I'm doing the wrong thing, or that you would feel that my experience and the direction that I'm going would be a trigger for you and so that you would need to cease listening and or cease commenting or participating. And I really built that fear up like a big boogeyman. I mean, I know I probably didn't sound it. I felt very confident. And by the time I finished recording the letting go segment of last show, I truly did feel confident. I felt like a switch went off in my brain and I realized that I love me. <laughs> that's, that's right. I love me, Lori. I actually do. And I respect me, me, Lori. <laughs> I actually do. And I don't care if that sounds self-involved. In fact, I don't think it sounds self-involved. I think it's something we should all strive for, to have a sincere appreciation and love for ourselves. And what did that do for me? Well, one, it made me realize that even if you brave companions, you who are listening to me now <laughs> in your earbuds are saying, well, Lori, you know, what's right for me is to have a specific diet plan or a combination of diet or exercise, or I could never do what you're doing. I just think this is not the path for me. I don't need to worry about that at all because whatever I do is for me and whatever you do is for you. And I've always said this, and it's always been pretty true, but deep, deep, deep in a recess of my mind, I always felt more comfortable if people were doing what I'm doing too, or nodding their head as I speak and saying, yes, yes, we agree, we think that's good. Because I didn't have the inner confidence within myself, like we talked about last time, I didn't have the inner confidence to just draw the line in the sand and say, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is how I feel. And this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, not to try to push you into anything and not to be pushed into anything. Just to admit to myself, this is who I am. And to let, quote unquote, the chips fall as they may. Because it's true, brave companions, that some of you have been brave enough to communicate with me and to let me know that you were going to either stop listening or stop participating because some of the direction that I'm going in 
is too triggering for you. And part of that made me very sad and full of self-doubt, as we described last time. But part of me was also going, Yahoo, good for you. You're doing what's right for you. Now, there's also been many, many brave companions who I noticed just no longer participate and may or may not be listening. I don't know. So I can make my own conclusions. But there's also other reasons like holidays or, you know, there's many reasons why somebody may not be participating as fully or not listening. I've also had my share of unlikes on Facebook or <laughs> being muted on Twitter, blocked on Instagram, things like this. And this can happen for a variety of reasons. For example, on Instagram, there's some of you that, some brave companions, some people that I just follow on Instagram, who like to post pictures of yourself on the scale, whether it's to say, oh, oh look at what happened, or Yahoo, look how well I'm doing. And as you know, me giving up the scale and trying not to think about weight or numbers, this could be pretty triggering for me. However, <laughs> Since I have this epiphany, and because at this moment I feel absolutely confident in my own decision for myself, these pictures no longer bother me in the way that they once did. But it's an example of why if something is triggering for you, it's best for you to not look at that thing, or not listen, or not expose yourself until which time as it is something that is good for you. I hope this all makes sense, okay? Brave companions, some of you are following paths that are absolutely not right for me. Not at all. But I am so positive now that my path of intuitive eating, getting underneath what's going on with my binge eating disorder, doing therapy, and addressing all of this and giving up my cares about my physical size is so right for where I am that those other kinds of things don't really phase me anymore. And I find that astonishing. Where before I was like bamboo being pushed by the wind one way or another, whether it's wind of public opinion, diet fad, my own thoughts. I don't feel that way. I feel like the mighty oak with my roots going strong into the soil of self-esteem. Now I'm going into my flight of fancy, <laughs> you know, and it feels good. It feels good. In fact, it feels so good that I'm going to take the risk and share with some of you the steps that I take to do what I call legalizing food. Now this is kind of like where you're allowing any food into your life, but it goes a little bit deeper and this isn't 100% based on the book Intuitive Eating that we've been talking about on the show and that I have links to on the show notes and so forth. It's also based in a lot of binge eating therapy that I've had in the last 20 years. And as you can see, I didn't really let the binge eating therapy take for too long because it's pretty difficult, at least for me, to deal with binge eating therapies and to not worry about what I weigh. And until very recently, I was always worried about what do I weigh. 
Okay, I'd like to go back a little bit into a broad overview of things that can trigger binges for me. Okay, I think we've covered number one, some kind of emotional reason, whether it's boredom, anger, happiness, feeling unloved, feeling unlovable, being mad at myself, being mad at others. Pretty much you can spin the wheel of emotion luck and whatever it landed on could be a binge trigger for me. Another thing that can cause a binge is dieting because you give yourself a deprivation mindset like I can only eat these types of foods and not these types of foods or I can only eat physically so much. Like when I was counting calories, even if you were including these quote unquote binge foods, you're not eating very much of it. So when dieting, you can cause a psychological feeling of deprivation that kind of niggles the back of your brain. So as soon as you can get that thing, you might go for it. Or you can also have just a physical feeling of deprivation where your body will ramp up and try to get you to eat the most fattening thing as possible as fast as you can and as much of it as you can because it wants to make sure that you have plenty of energy slapped on your butt in time for the next famine, i.e. diet. Okay, so you can have physical reasons, emotional reasons. You can also have food triggers, like suppose I went out to the restaurant and I really wished I had some cheesecake, but I told myself, well, cheesecake is too fattening and therefore I'm going to have fresh fruit for dessert. That's what I'll have. So I virtuously would have my fresh fruit and when I come home, very unlikely that I actually have a piece of cheesecake ready for me to have some of it. So I might attack all of the ice cream, graham crackers, cookies, bowls of cereal, whatever else there is, because I'm wishing I had this flavor and I'm mad I didn't. And so I combine like a food desire with my emotional anger. So I really have a lot, a lot of binge triggering events that can cause me to want to go for the chips. So how does this all play into how intuitive eating is helping me in particular to limit my binge behaviors? Well, number one, we talked before about not getting on the scale. And why is that? Now, before when I would go on the scale, that was sort of, so I would have feedback of how am I doing, right? I'm on this diet plan. Am I actually losing weight, right? Or am I not? It also was sort of a comfort blanket for me. Like if I overate, but the scale remained down, I would feel like, oh, okay, things are okay. Or if the scale went up, I'd be like, see, see what you've done now and either have more binge or sometimes that would motivate me to kind of get back on track with my diet plan and to try to do better. So that scale was really the thing that sort of gave me comfort and let me know outside myself, how am I doing? Because I was so divorced from my own feelings and really hated being in my body. I mean, I always have hated being in my body. I felt that it was too large. I took up too much space. My legs are too big. I know I've said several times, I don't fit into chairs. And even when I got thin, I still had this feeling that I took up too much space because your body image can be embedded very deeply no matter what 
you weigh. You know, that's, that's the answer of why some of the people that have eating disorders who to us look very, very slender may still complain about fat on their bodies because in their mind, in the place where they perceive the world and themselves, in our minds, we still felt too big. Now, I've had plenty of experience with being pretty big, according to the average size. Right now, I'm a little bigger probably than the average size of an American, which to some of the rest of the world, that's not saying much because they kind of have this impression that we're just really huge people. But, you know, it's kind of true in some regards. But I'm a little bit larger than that, and I have been over 100 pounds more than I am today, at least what I'm guessing that I am today, because I've been over 300 pounds before. And right now, I don't think I'm much more than the 208 that I was last time I got on the scale. So body image can really play a factor in this. So part of the reason why I give up the scale as part of my intuitive eating principles and as my therapy to delve into what's under my binge eating behavior is that without the scale to tell me how I'm doing, it helps me not go immediately into deprivation mode again. Like we discussed, you know, if I overate and I would get on the scale and my weight would be up, I would be triggered to want to go back on a diet. And as I've discussed several times before, for me, dieting is just another part of my disordered eating cycle. Dieting is not a fix for me. Dieting is actually part of my binge cycle. So anything that would trigger me to want to go on a diet is triggering me to step back onto that endless cycle of, of dieting, deprivation, binging, needing to diet, and on and on. So the only way to, for me to stop the cycle is to step out of that circle. I don't get weighed because no matter what I weigh, no matter what that number is, there's nothing I'm going to do about it. I could be up 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, and I'm not going to do anything about it. I could be down 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. I'm not going to do anything about it because part of my journey is to listen to my body and what it's telling me to learn how to hear when it's hungry, to learn how to hear what it wants me to eat, to instead of having this brain that's controlling my body or locking my body away from certain foods for its own good, I'm trying to reconnect that part of me that wants to eat with the part of my body that knows what it needs to eat or wants to eat or feels like it eats, wants to have, right? Right now, when I started this, I was very disconnected. I was just like, my body was this little rebellious kid and my mind was the stern parent or stern teacher or the jailer locking these foods away from my body. And my body was doing all in its power to get around this control and get what it wanted or needed for some of the reasons we discussed. And again, I'm talking about myself and what I've learned about myself and the way that I have disordered eating thoughts. So by Going into not getting weighed, not knowing what I weigh, not having a number, I am doing a little bit outside of that by 
noticing how my pants fit and by having Mark tell me what he thinks. <laughs> so it's still a little bit kind of an oopsie there of where I could do better. But primarily, you want to get your focus off of the external and onto the internal so you don't have these triggering cycle events coming from seeing a number. You really want to do all in your power. You really want to do all in your power to eat food that will nourish your body when it's hungry or nourish yourself because it's so delicious or because you're out having fun with your friends and you're going to be part of it. Not to overeat, not to undereat, but to partake of food and of life. And as long as there's certain foods that you're scared of, it's hard to partake of them freely. It's hard not to feel guilty. And one of my most challenging food for me is potato chips. That's why at the start of every one of my shows, I say I talk about compulsive eating rather than heading for the chips. Potato chips in particular are my most challenging food. And so they're a food that I have been putting off legalizing or making available. And again, I'm going to stress that what I do when I'm legalizing is not anything I recommend for you to do. In fact, if you're still deep in binge eating behavior, this can trigger you in a terrible way. Remember, I have the support of a therapist and I've also been doing this in baby steps now for many, many months through this show and through other means. But one thing that I do when I decide to legalize a food, is I bring so much of that food into my house that it is physically impossible to eat all of it. So how does this play out with potato chips? Prior to me deciding to legalize the potato chips at this time, if I wanted potato chips, I would ask Mark to go up to the store and get me a single serving size of Lay's to have with my sandwich. Because if we got a regular size of Lay's potato chips, which I think are five or six servings, I would be going back to that bag like within the hour and it would all be gone. And I would be calculating in my head how many calories that is, how many fat grams that is. And I would probably be feeling pretty sick in my stomach from the greasiness and the saltiness of these potato chips. But dang it, if I had these potato chips there, I just could not leave them alone. They would call to me with a siren call until they were gone. Now there's other foods that I have legalized already, that being like tortilla chips, you know, Tostitos or Doritos or generic tortilla chips of some kind. I can have bags and bags and bags of those in my cupboard at this point, and I don't care about them at all. I don't want them, I don't think about them, unless I happen to feel hungry for nachos. And that happens rarely now. Every once in a while, I get very hungry for nachos. And, and unless I do, I really do not go for tortilla chips. But I've been terrified, brave companions, just absolutely terrified to let a full-size bag of chips into my house, let alone what I do now. I went to Trader Joe's, and I have, I think, four or five bags of potato chips in my cupboard. Big 
bags of potato chips. Now I know that physically the most I can eat at one time is one bag of chips. If I'm really in binge mode, maybe I can eat a bag and a half. So five bags of potato chips are more than I can eat. Even if I was in full on robot alien mode, there is no way that I can eat this. So I am keeping that amount of chips in my cupboard at all times. If I go through a couple bags of chips, I go right back down to Trader Joe's and I replace those bags of chips. So I have always five or six bags of potato chips in my cupboard. Oh my God, are you crazy, Lori? What do you mean by doing this? Isn't this awful? Well, one thing this is doing is I don't have a feeling of deprivation because I have physically bags and bags and bags of chips. So if I really want some chips, I have them, I have access to them, I don't have to go anywhere to get them. So I'm teaching my brain that potato chips are not rare. Potato chips are in abundance. Potato chips are everywhere I look. So they're not a rare treasure for me to lust after because I never get them. However, I still have this feeling that these potato chips are something that are going to be taken away. So I also have to practice eating them on purpose. And by that I mean, when I go home for lunch, I might have only potato chips. I might have potato chips with dip or with avocado. I might have a sandwich with chips on the side or only chips, I don't know, I'm not hungry yet. I'm not home yet. But I give myself absolute permission if all I want is chips or I want two servings of chips, I eat that. The only thing that I do do, do do, that's funny. Anyway, what I do do is I put one serving, or what I perceive as a normal size serving, into the bowl or on my plate and I eat that first. And then I take the moment to say, Lori, do you feel like eating more chips? Which kind of potato chips do you feel like eating? And if the answer is yes, I do, whether it's a hunger reason or a psychological reason, any reason that my body or brain wants to eat more chips, I go to the cupboard, I get another serving, I sit down and eat those. Then I ask myself again, Lori, do you want more chips? And so on and so on until the answer is no, I don't. So I've really been having quite a few servings of chips and for a few days, I've had pretty much only chips with a little bit of extra things. This morning when I woke up, I thought, do you want chips for breakfast? And my body said, no, I want an egg and toast and a banana. So I said, okay, you sure you don't want any chips? It says, no, egg, toast, banana. So that's what I had for breakfast before I came down here. Now I'm walked down to my park and I've now walked around the park several times talking to you. So I've whipped up quite an appetite. So right now, if I think to myself, Lori, do you want some chips? The answer is maybe, but what I really want is some ravioli, some carrots, ranch dressing, and maybe some chips. Okay, that's how I feel right now. If by the time I go home, all I want is chips, that's what I'll eat.
and I will repeat this process of eating chips whenever I want them, as I have described, for however, however many months it takes until potato chips in my cupboard are the same as the Tostitos in my cupboard, where I really don't care if chips are there or not. Because I've seen as I have legalized these foods one by one by one over these months, even if the robot aliens come calling, I don't gravitate to the binge foods that I have legalized. That isn't what I go for. So far, Tostitos are off the plate. Cheetos I don't have at all because I don't like them. Snickers are off my plate because I don't like them. I found that out. I've legalized regular milk caramels. I can have as many of those as I want and they don't bother me. I'm still in the middle of, I'm almost done legalizing chocolate covered caramels because I really like those. Kind of harken back to the milk dud days. Almost there with them. I have legalized pizzas. I have legalized Mexican food. I've legalized wine. I've legalized beer. That's right, I can have beers in my house, I can have bottles of wine, and I will actually pour a bottle of wine down the sink rather than drink it if it's gone bad. Because there's various ways that you can try to cover up your bottle of wine once it's been opened to keep the wine from going bad. But these days, I drink such a small amount of the wine that I'm usually having to pour it out. So part of me is kind of annoyed by that. But the other part of me is proud that this is something I've achieved. So this also means like when we go out to eat for margaritas and nachos and stuff like that, I'm not scared because I've also legalized margaritas. I no longer want to have as much margarita as I can because I know I can always go out and have another one or make another one. I can have it and I only drink as much as tastes good to me and it's kind of become a second nature. So the more I legalize these foods, the more I give myself absolute permission to eat anything, the more I actually hear inside what my body wants or what my mind wants. In fact, today I was absolutely floored after all my potato chip adventures of late to put on the pants I'm wearing today, which is my skinny for me, size 18 W's. And they zipped up and they feel comfortable. And I would have thought that I'm pretty puffy. In fact, I'm a little bit puffy because there's a lot of salt and potato chips. And I tend to react to salt. But I'm actually wearing clothes that feel a little looser, despite the fact that I've been eating chips. Now, does this mean that Yahoo, I'm home free and now my body's gonna start stabilizing in a lower weight. No, because if there's anything I've learned from intuitive eating, it's that things go round in a cycle. And it's almost like earning my own trust back. You know, if you had a friend who screwed you over somehow and they said, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again. Please trust me. You might say, okay, I forgive you but you're gonna keep one weary eye on them, one wary eye on them. You're gonna watch them to see how they behave in future to see if they get your trust back. And that's kind of how this intuitive cycle is going with me, is I really have to convince my brain and my body 
that somehow I'm not gonna sneak back onto a diet, that somehow it really is okay to have chips in the house. What do I also have? I also have some beautiful organic Fuji apples I got at Trader Joe's, and they are so sweet and delicious that sometimes when I say, Lori, do you want chips? The answer is no, I want one of those apples. And because I'm not masking what my body wants with fear of food, I can hear that answer. So brave companions, I hope you've enjoyed this peek into my legalizing chips process. And I hope that it was just giving you some insight into how I'm thinking. And let me say again, this is not something that you should just do unsupported in my opinion. I think if you too have a component of binge eating disorder, it's really best to go get therapeutic support for it. It's a complex, really complicated set of things. And just to say to yourself, I'm going to fill my house with chips and that will fix it. Well, I know it didn't fix it for me. I'm doing this now on purpose as part of my therapy. And I'm hoping that I'm another step along that road to living a life free of fear of food, where I love food, where I have authentic relationships with others, rather than letting my compulsive overeating behaviors get in between us. So until next time, when we'll have another episode, take good care, brave companions, because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Oh